When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands. And are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co. Are you thinking about starting a podcast but don't know where to start? Let me take a second to tell you about Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast across a plethora of listening platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all the big ones. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, completely free. If you're thinking about starting a podcast, do yourself a favor and check out anchor.fm or download the app to get started. Hey everyone, if you're enjoying Increase of Our Reality, I'd really appreciate it if you could drop a review or a rating and I'll give you a shout out on the show. While you're at it, come join the Telegram group and follow the show on Instagram and across social media. If you'd like to support the show, check me out over on Patreon for early access to Inquiries of Our Reality and Big Dumb Inquiries, which is the Swapcast show I co-host with Kyle Rainey of the Big Dumb Podcast. If you'd like to pick up some merch, come check out the merch store. If you want to help me out to upgrade my equipment and pump out even more awesome content for you guys, come donate over on Anchor or Kofi. And last but not least, if anyone is interested in being a guest on the show, sponsoring the show, has a topic they want covered, or you feel you have something to contribute to the show, send me an email at inquiriesofallrealitypodcast at outlook.com. All the links I mentioned are in the show description. Just tap or click the Linktree link to be directed. Thanks, everyone. I appreciate you, and I couldn't be doing this without you. Now enjoy the show. The reality we live in can be a very strange place. Most of the time, fact being stranger than fiction. How we ever start to understand this reality we live in unless we question everything. Join me and a guest as we unravel the mysteries of this reality, one topic at a time. This is Inquiries of Our Reality with Shane Jones. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 42nd episode of Inquiries of Our Reality. Today with me, I have another fellow podcaster. I have One Thumb Ellie from Speed Bumps. How's it going? I'm good. How are you doing tonight, Shane? Not too bad. Uh, you know, hanging in there. Same shit, different day, but not necessarily in a bad way. Yeah. But uh, I guess to get going here, uh, why don't you tell your story about how you got to this point so far, why you started your podcast, and just uh, how, what makes you you, I guess. All right. So that, that's kind of a loaded question. Hope you have <laughs> a little bit of time. So I was born with uh, Tritology of Fallot, which means four defects of the heart. Um, a tight mitral valve and five holes in my heart and, uh, had open heart surgery at seven months old. I have a left radio clubbed hand. So it's kind of shaped like an L and I don't have a thumb. That's where the one thumb L comes in and, uh, had seven limb lengthening surgeries from the ages of 10 to 14. And, uh, let's see. Then when I was in grad school, uh, getting my master's in infectious diseases and microbiology. I just finished my first year and I was walking across the street of the pedestrian and a guy turning left hit me with his Ford escape. And I wrapped around the front of this guy's Ford escape. So my head hit the hood, my left hip hit like his bumper area, like where the Ford emblem is. Um, my left calf hit like his lower bumper uh, flew into the street, uh, traumatic brain injury, five broken bones in the pelvis, broken clavicle, broken shoulder blade, mm. um, the works. And that was in May of 2014. And I was told if I didn't resume grad school by January of 2015, that I would lose my spot. So with all the things I'd been through as a kid telling me I can't do something, I go, oh yeah, watch me. And so I went back to school and I got my degree, um, took me a little bit longer. I spaced out the classes a little bit more. And so I graduated in 2017 with my master's and I actually, my thesis was, um, understanding the, res uh, immune response for a potential bioweapon and trying to develop a vaccine for that. 
So I used to be the, uh, is there any words I can't say on your show? No, I'm full freedom of speech over here. Anything you want to say? All right, cool. More than welcome. <laughs> All right, cool. So I used to think, like, I was pro-vaccine. I was, um, all vaccines are good. The CDC is great. The FDA wouldn't lie to you. Um, wasn't, a, like, a liberal in the sense of, like, I was definitely more conservative in my politics, but definitely thought, um, you know, vaccines were great and the medical system was good, even with all the shit that I had been through. And... 2020 happened and I had been working for one pharma company and when everything kind of shut down, they're like, we're just going to have you work remote while well, I was working in a lab and you can't really do remote work when you're in a lab. Yeah, how did that so I ended work? Up, <laughs> yeah. Like it doesn't work. So I ended up switching companies, um, actually to a place that was also closer, which that initially worked out and it was another like startup type pharma company. And when the world went crazy, I really started to see the message that the CDC was saying of this is really bad, but you don't need to do anything. You don't need to social distance. You don't need to wear masks. I was like, well, that's not, it wasn't making sense. So I was actually wearing a mask like the N95s before they suggested it. And then I started seeing what the real data was. And I was like, we don't need to wear masks. Like, this is stupid. The masks don't do anything like and the surgical masks don't do shit. And the cloth masks really don't do shit. And like all of these things. And so in the midst of all of this and the end of 2019, I met my now husband and I had, like I said, I'd previously thought vaccines were good. Big pharma was good. Um, essential oils and crystals were a bunch of woo-woo bullshit and I got like almost like COVID before COVID I got really this really bad bronchitis and the doctors couldn't help me kept giving me inhalers and steroids and all this other shit and he goes can I just put a diffuser next to the bed and I was like sure like I, I'm desperate like it, it can't hurt and I slept that night and I was like what the fuck did you do He's like, it was just some essential oils, I swear. And uh, I was like, all right, there, there's something to this. So then I started learning the science of essential oils while working for this startup company, startup pharma company and getting into crystals, uh, became a Reiki master. And all the while, this small startup was doing some shady shit. I was a lab manager and I'd bring things up and it'd be like, oh, we don't need to worry about that. Like, okay, well, you're running a lab out of a garage in a residential area. Like, I don't <laughs> think we're supposed to do that. No, no, it's totally fine. Uh, just don't wear your lab coat, wear beach clothes, transfer samples in like a beach cooler because it was like on a beachy area. Mm -hmm. Just make it look like you're going to the beach. It's fine. I'm like. Doing some shady shit. <laughs> some shady shit. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, uh, you know, there were managers doing stuff in there, like actual experiments in their basement. They were shipping unlabeled chemicals across state lines via FedEx without the proper documentation. Um, I was being harassed at work because I wanted to do the right thing. And everyone was like, no, we don't need to do that. And I hit my breaking point and I called my husband and said, I want to quit. Um, he said, okay. And so I put in my notice because when I would point out something and the answer would be, oh, well, we know the owner knows the governor. You don't need to worry about that. I, I got really tired of hearing that as an answer. Um, so I quit. Yeah. Like that justifies anything. Right. Like, I don't care who knows who, like you're, you're doing shady shit. And I have a stack about this thick of proof. So um, yeah, I turned in my notice on a Wednesday I had already planned to take the Thursday off, like before all of this. Friday, I went to go to the lab meeting. Like I said, I would. I had to hand over passwords and vendor information and all the things. Everything was locked out. Uh, couldn't get in the building. Couldn't log into my computer. Um, all the things. It had worked Thursday night, but Friday morning, nothing. And I was supposed to have two weeks. So... My then manager like zooms me in with my uh, personal cell phone to this meeting. 
I was like, oh yeah. And he like tries to make this like really flowery thing. Like I'm leaving for mental health reasons. <laughs> and I was like, uh, no. And you said I was going to be able to chance to say goodbye and like physically see people. You lied. This is bullshit. Um, and like I, all my fucks were just gone at that point. And I probably won't ever get a recommendation from them and that's fine. But yeah, <laughs> you never want to go back anyways. So that's no, no, I don't. <laughs> yeah. It, it was nuts. And so, uh, went fully into my business, which I make essential oil rollers with crystals in them and infuse them with Reiki. Um, I live in Connecticut. And so I do Reiki on people. I also do a thing called symphony of the cells where I do essential oils along the spine and then the bottoms of the feet for different purposes. So for pain, for hormone balancing, for, um, respiratory things, for if you have a cold, if like all the things that different protocols to help you out, um, I was also going to ask for the listeners that don't know, do you care to explain what Reiki is? Yeah. Yeah. So Reiki is, um, it's an ancient Japanese form of energy healing. And the way I describe it to people are, is if you cut your hand, your hand is going to heal and you heal yourself. Maybe you might help it with some bandaid or, you know, cleaning the wound or things like that. And also, you have to know there's radio waves all around you because if you turn on a radio, your radio works and you get different stations. But you standing in the middle of a field, you're probably not going to hear the radio because you're not a radio receiver, typically, unless you have some weird chip planted from Elon or whatever. <laughs> so what I do is I act as that radio receiver. I act as that conduit and I just help the energy that's naturally flowing through your body to ensure that there's no blockages and to remove those blockages so you can heal yourself. I am not healing you. I am a simply a conduit. I believe the body heals itself. You can heal yourself. You just have to be given the right environment. And also, how do you, how do you go about doing that? Like, how do you, how do you move the energy within somebody? It's very intuitive. Um, there's people who can do like distance Reiki. I can do distance Reiki, although it's not my favorite. Um, I prefer like the direct contact, you know, like hand on shoulder, your stomach, like your, and your chakras, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just, it's something everyone has had that feeling of you walk into a room or you go somewhere and you're like, Oh, I really don't like that person. That like gross icky feeling, or you walk into a room and someone's really happy and you automatically light up. Like everyone knows those feelings. Mm -hmm. And so Reiki is just getting in touch with like anyone can do Reiki. If you ever hurt yourself and you basically breathed through it, that's Reiki, something similar, like you're calming your mind and you're just moving the energy through. That makes, that makes sense. I just want to make sure that everybody who didn't know what it was, it, they had yeah, like yeah, a yeah. explanation of it, of course. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off from your story. Um, no, 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 no. Yeah. So I do. Um, I love essential oils. Um, I'm really big into homeopathics homeopathics and herbs. Um, and I just, I think Western medicine definitely has a time and place. If I'm ever hit by a car again, please take me to the hospital and get me into a trauma room. And then once they made sure that I have no internal bleeding and things like that, give me my oils to heal. Um, like Western medicine has a time and place. I wouldn't be here without my open heart surgery, but also you need to learn to naturally support your body, eating healthy, um, drinking good water, things like that. So that's definitely a big one too, that I hear from a lot of people, because just having the uh, the right diet can help with like hair loss. Uh, it yep. can help with mood elevation. It can of course help with like your, if you have stomach issues, for example, if you eat more like better foods and not processed yes. foods, that definitely helps with that of course too. Yep. Um, but yeah, definitely something that pops up quite frequently is that people don't realize how harmonic the body has to be in a sense that everything has to be working in perfect symphony. Otherwise you start having issues where it's like a matter of your energy, not being able to flow, right. Kind of like how you were explaining. Yeah, exactly. And you know, your skin is your largest organ. So when you start, your skin is the early warning sign. So when you get acne, when you bruise really easily, when you like your skin is your early warning sign um, of what's going on inside your body. And your gut is actually part of your immune system. Most people don't think your stomach is part of your immune system, but it really is. A lot of people have had the experience of taking an antibiotic and then having really bad diarrhea afterwards because you destroy your gut. And so by making sure that you have a healthy gut, 
you're actually really supporting your immune system as well. And most people don't realize that. Say, as for me personally, I drink a lot of kombucha. I know that that helps because it has like the live probiotics. Um, Just like little simple things. You just got to look for it. There's a hundred different natural variations, but you just got to kind of find what works for you because everybody's a little bit different, of course. Yeah. Yeah. There's no one size fits all for everybody beyond like eating cleaner and drinking good water. You know, I can't recommend a specific diet or, you know, eat a specific food or anything like that because everyone is different. Of course. So, uh, continuing a little bit more into the story too, uh, what kind of built up for you to start your podcast and what is your podcast about for the listeners that don't know? Yeah. So my podcast is speed bumps. And, um, when I was in college, I actually started like outlining my autobiography and I had had the title speed bumps, um, since college. And I really wanted to write my autobiography, but it felt very egotistical, um, to me, uh, and just almost like my story isn't important enough or there still needs to be more to it. Or I just, I wasn't sure as to why I didn't feel like writing my autobiography at the time was right. But I definitely felt like sharing my story in a podcast and then giving other people a platform to share their stories was the direction I needed to go. And so my first episode, I go into more detail about my story. And then every episode after that is just talking to people about their speed bumps because a lot of people, they go through something and they can feel really alone and they're really not, but trying to find that community and finding someone who, you know, went through the similar thing as you can be really hard. And so my hope with the podcast is just, I have people on someone who needs to hear it, hears it, those people can connect. And that's all I want out of it. Like just to connect people. So uh, what kind of stories have you had as far as like the speed bumps so far on your show? I've had, um, you know, Janet came on and she talked about some pretty horrific things that happened to her as a kid. I had Kyle come on and he was talking about um, his parents and just his experience, uh, in his acting career and his music career. I had Jake Loco from Local Listens come on. Um, and he was talking about being a teacher and things like that. Um, I've had, well, there, it's not out yet, but uh, Legs in Buffalo from False Reality Check, just talking about moving from California to Idaho to start a homestead. So the stories really range from whatever a speed bump is to you. It doesn't have to be traumatic. It doesn't have to be scary. Um, but yeah, even just moving from California to Idaho and they are raising chickens for the first time and like learning to do something for the first time has a ton of speed bumps. So I just like to hear those stories and to share them and put them out there. It's a very fitting name. I definitely like the name. I couldn't think of a better name myself for something like that. (laughs) Thank you. But, uh, I always like to ask too, of course, uh, cause I guess the show usually kind of leads to more towards like the conspiracy realm. Um, besides of course your, your medical background kind of giving you like a red pill in its own, uh, is there any other red pill experiences that you've had? I would say the biggest red pill, you know, like I said, 20, it's so cliche, but 2020 woke up so many people and, um, I was always interested in like the ancient aliens and things like that as a kid, but I never I just kind of at first took it at face value. And then I was like, oh, there, maybe there's more to it. But I never really investigated it. Um, and then started realizing 9-11 is an inside job. And um, what was the biggest thing that stuck out for you as far as 9-11 goes? I remember watching this short video clip and it was just this guy. He had like built up this Jenga tower and they kept knocking it over and it never imploded. It always fell over. And I was like, oh shit. That, yeah. And it just, it was so simple. And it's the simple things that you overlook that you're just like, how did I miss that? I mean, okay, I was in fifth grade. So, but like now, like, why didn't I never question that? And even just the fact that the president was sitting in a classroom reading a book to a bunch of kids. When right. that too, it seemed like a very placed thing. Yeah. And there was like something about like plane hit tower or something. And like, 
And so then I go down the JFKs and then you get, get to the adrenochrome and then you get to the child trafficking and then you get to the hollow earth and then the is space fake and NASA and faking the moon landing. And like, I've run the gamut of, <laughs> you know, conspiracy and I've kind of got to the point of, I don't know what's real. There are a lot of things that I like to look into. And for the most part, I just go, huh, that's interesting. And I like to hear all the different points of view. Um, so I love listening to all the conspiracy podcasts. But because I just, I don't know, it's it's something I prefer to listen to. Because I have all these little tidbits of knowledge about so many different things. I don't, I can't really go in depth on anything. Um, I think Atlantis is cool. And Lemuria is cool. And then there's people who say it's together. And then there's Tataria. Um, and you have the mo- modern ones, like the voting fraud. And like I've done the gamut on uh, j- just the conspiracies. And I enjoy listening to them and hearing about them. Um, I really love hearing people debate them. Uh, I love hearing the flat earth, globe earth, hollow earth. I really don't care personally, but I enjoy listening to them. Um, I was going to ask too, uh, which ones do you feel like if you had to, had to bet on that would be the ones that you believe in the most? Oh, so I'm going to caveat this with the words that we use today might not be exactly what they are. So like, I feel like there's aspects to Tataria that are real. Was it called Tataria? Was there, you know, is every aspect of that what I agree with? No. Do I definitely think that they lied about um, our history? Yes. Do I understand all the world's expos? No. Um, definitely some shady shit there. Uh, the giants, the uh, the Smithsonian hiding stuff in the Grand Canyon. Like, I definitely think there's layers there. And seeing what big pharma does now i'm like well of, of course the government's doing shit and so for me it makes anything plausible yeah, like especially I, with you coming from inside that industry too that's one of the most corrupt industries i could possibly think of yeah and so i just i'm like i feel like anything is possible like you you you're like oh okay Big, bigfoot's real i'm like all right it could be like <laughs> i'm like anything at this point y- you show me a little gray alien. Okay. I just, I, I love to hear them all, but I'm really interested in like the ancient history, alternative history thing. Cause I think that's what interests me the most. So that's what I kind of hope is real. If that makes sense. That's kind of what I geared towards too. I always like to entertain the idea too, that uh, the whole like ancient alien story and a lot of religions are all kind of honestly the same story from a bunch of different perspectives. I always find that one to be really interesting. Like the Anunnaki could be angels, which could also be this, which could also be that. And it's just different cultures viewing them different ways. So of course they drew them with different depictions, but they have a lot of different characteristics that are still the same. Um, So it's like almost like questionable, of course, just off of that. Yeah, absolutely. I remember, I, I remember I took this class in undergrad and it was like comparative religions or something. And cause I have a history minor and he, I want to say he was like a Christian pastor, but he was very open-minded and was like comparing all of these different religions. And his basic thing was what you just said of, they're all basically telling the same story. They're just using different words. And it kind of blew my mind. Just even how many different religions talk about the great flood. I know I've mentioned this a few times on my show, but like at this point, it's been mentioned so many times. It's almost undeniable that more than likely it was something that happened. And wiped out a bunch of different things. Who knows what the reason for the flood was, where it came from. Like the biblical aspect of it could be made up or it could be completely true. Maybe there was Nephilim and giants and they had to get wiped out. Like who knows? (laughs) Yeah. And it's funny because I feel like sometimes that's where um, people get lost in the semantics of, well, you don't believe in the great flood because, you know, it has to be the way the Bible says. Well, no, we, the great flood happened, but like you said, we not, might not know how or why or things like that. And so, but that's where people get lost. And I feel like if we could focus on the overarching conspiracies or the overarching truths or w- whatever you want to label that as, 
I feel like we could get so much more done and so much more research, like really digging into it. It's kind of like the flat earth versus globe earth. Like they both would rather fight with each other than both go, yeah, NASA's clearly lying to us. And then both of them can team up and try trying to figure out things about NASA. That's like a problem. Right. <laughs> right. Like I feel like all of these things are just done to create more division between us. So we're still stuck fighting each other and not fighting the government. Honestly, that's what it is too. And it's like, I feel like there's a lot of stuff, especially within this community, because it's one of those things that theoretically like truth or community kind of has the, the ability to start a revolution in a sense, if you're, if you're saying the right words to the right people and you get everybody starting to see through the veil of lies. But like, of course that that would be the group that would definitely have to get split. And even if it's just something subtle, it's not like there's necessarily like a government organization that's purposely trying to like throw off conspiracy theorists, but just something small and dumb. Like they'll just like post a document about one thing and know that conspiracy theorists will dig into it. And it's, no more effort literally than just posting a random document online and calling it a day, just some made up stuff. And then you start a whole wild goose chase and everybody starts inner fighting between each other because of it. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, there was like the thing, it was like some, something about the water, that documentary and that like divided a bunch of people and then, you know, Q divided a bunch of people and like everything I feel like has these divisions. And I'm like, why can't we just treat it like religion where everyone can believe whatever they want and we all just get together on the common truth? And unfortunately, though, they're still fighting within the religion because all it takes is somebody that realizes that there's power within the group and then they're going to take that opportunity. So it's like it works in a good world, but you always know that there's going to be one bad apple that's going to look for that ability and exploit it. Like, even, like, the Q thing. Like, it seemed like it was one person, and then other people kind of took control of, like, the Q narrative. So it's just one of those things, too, that the actual Q stops posting, and then somebody else takes over and then starts this whole fucking thing off of pretending like they know something that they don't really know. <laughs> yeah, like, that, I mean, I fell for Q for a little bit, not gonna lie. Like, I was, I was into I, it, too, of course. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, like... I'll admit when I'm wrong. I'll admit when I like no shame here. Um, but I got to a point that I was like, this is not adding up. This doesn't make sense. And it is possible to read too much into something. And, you know, I have a aunt and an uncle who are very much still, um, you know, about January 6th and Q and I'm just hitting all the trigger words. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, voter fraud and like all these things. And that's what they'll like send me stuff about. And like, I'll talk to them a little bit about it. But I'm like, guys, there's a bigger picture here. And they're like, but no, the elections in the government. And I was like, yes, but Republicans are just as bad as liberals. And they're like, oh, no, they're not. Fox News is good. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, it's so hard to hear that coming from this community now, too. And it's just like most people think that way. So it's just like, oh, like, how do you still do that? And I heard yeah. this metaphor the other day, which I think is great, that it's like if you go too far left or you go too far right, you're eventually going to come back and meet meet back at the other side. So, I mean, that's kind of what it comes down to is they're both going to just go so crazy trying to polarize and split each other. They're eventually just going to hit on the other side and then it's going to start a whole nother battle. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I'm definitely more of the conservative politics. Like, I, I don't do the transgender like leave the kids alone type deal like that's where i'm at too i got to leave the kids alone like you do you you're an adult leave the kids alone so it's beyond me that there's teachers out here that are fighting for the right to talk about what they like to do in the bedroom with their children with their kids like i was hearing a story about a uh kindergarten teacher who came out to his classroom like really dude like that's who you chose to come out to and tell that you like to have intercourse with some with another person is a group full of kindergartners like, and I feel like all the people involved in that that are fighting for that, right, just don't sit back and just look at the broader picture of what they're really trying and what they're really doing. Like, the most literal statement possible is you're fighting for your right to teach kids about what you like to have sex with. Yeah, like, you go have sex with whoever you want. Just don't do it with a kid. Do it between consenting adults and you do you. Like, I don't really care. But so I was in high school. And this shit was happening when I was in high school. So I graduated in 09 and always been a history buff. So I, it was history of the early Middle East. And he was gay, which whatever. Okay. But I was there to learn about the history of the early Middle East. And this particular teacher would come in and talk about um, 
who he dated over the weekend and where he went. And um, at the time we were, Bush was still president. Obama hadn't been elected yet. And so there was like the whole Iraq war and things like that. And he was, you know, bashing America and all the troops are bad. And my dad was in the Navy. I have over 10 aunts and uncles and cousins who served. Um, and so you start trashing the military and I get really pissed off. Um, and so I was in high school and this, he's telling us about his sex life. He's telling us about who he likes. He's bashing the American military, um, talking about burning an American flag. And I got to a point, I was on the school newspaper. So I had access to all the teacher's mailboxes and I typed up a note. And I said, opinions are like assholes. Everyone has them. And I don't need to hear yours about your sex life. And I put it in his mailbox. And he then read it to the class. And he's like, who did this? And he's looking at me. And I didn't say shit. <laughs> um, I wasn't going to fess up to it. But he stopped. That's all it takes. Just somebody to finally make that stand and just kind of start pushing back. Yeah. I was like, I, I want to learn about history. I don't care who you fuck. Like, and especially with elementary school kids, they don't even notice, like, right. or even think about it. Like, as far as, like, I go, I know that, like, I didn't even think about my teacher, like, what they're doing in their home life, honestly. Like, not even the no. slightest. No, like, and if you saw, happened to see them in the grocery store, it was, like, some mythical event. Like, you exist outside of my classroom? <laughs> I thought you lived in the closet in the back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like, seeing your teacher outside of the classroom was, like, this myth mythical thing, especially in elementary school. So, like, and they don't know about sex. They don't know what this shit is. Like, and they don't know if they like boys or girls or any other pronouns or like, they don't know. That's even the craziest thing. Even middle schoolers don't know. So like, just people need to calm down. Say that's honestly the craziest thing too, is that I, I, I've said it on my show a couple of times too, that, you know, you have to be 21 to smoke cigarettes in my state. You have to be 21 to uh, drink. You have to be 18 to get tattoos, but you can change your gender at, you know, like elementary school age, like how does that make any sense? So that yeah, and then they hide it from the parents. Tattoos. Yeah, and then they can hide it from their parents, and that's totally okay. See, and there's like a pull away from parents to or children to parents too that I've noticed. Like, I don't know if you dig into like the whole media manipulation type concept, but I've definitely noticed a lot of new age kid movies, such as what's it called? It's like Seeing Red or something like that. Yep, yep. Disney movie where the yep. whole idea is that it's about rebellion against parents and like paving your own path which it's like half the message is fine of course pave your own path but like at a certain age it's like you you require that guidance from your parents so it's like why are they purposely trying to promote this message that kids can pretty much say fuck off to my to your parents and just do your own thing and it's like in our generation they're just killing the parents in the first 10 minutes of every single disney movie yeah like and yeah that it it boggles my mind it boggles my mind the um those like you'll see like toddlers and they'll, they'll be like these viral videos and they'll be cussing and saying fuck and like things like that and they're like three between like three and eight and people are like oh it's so funny i was like if my kid ever did that i guarantee you they would do it once and never do it again it's kind of like the even like the dancing too there's some very prov yeah. provocative dancing that parents are just laughing at their kids while they're three doing like shaking their ass and shit like that like you know when you're doing it to a very explicit song and it's a child like you just got to look at it again from like a stand back for a second look at it from a broader perspective <laughs> yeah I, so i danced from like age five to when i was in high school uh tap jazz ballet modern lyrical like i i did the works um and i remember there was this one and i don't remember the song but it was like camo pants and it was a top that it was long sleeve, but basically stopped just below the bra line. And all of the parents were like, they're not wearing this costume unless they wear a nude leotard underneath it. Or a black leotard underneath it. And they're like, okay. Like, and that's how it should be. Yeah, especially with like young kids. And yeah. like dance outfits, even if you just have something basic on underneath, like even the dance outfits get weird. Like, look at that. What's that yeah. cutie show that was on Netflix? Like that got yep, really yep. weird. <laughs> yeah i mean it wasn't bad when i was younger but like once i started getting like high school it like some of the outfits i'm like why are we putting six-year-olds in this like 
And it just, I don't know, it, so many things bother me. And I'm like, when I have kids, I want to homeschool and like, they're not watching TV. And because to your point, I don't want them to learn that it's okay to be little assholes. Yeah, literally. Because it's like, I keep my kid away from a lot of that stuff, but then she has contact with her, with her cousins and stuff like that. And they can kind of just have tablets, do whatever they want. So it just brings in this whole thing that I'm trying to get rid of that I can't really get rid of because they're always going to be there. Like my daughter, for example, the other day, she's, uh, doesn't have a tablet anything like that and she's hanging out with her cousin and her cousin calls another little girl and starts like calling her names and stuff like that then my daughter joins in because of that whole crowd mentality yeah it's like she's cyberbullying, and i'm like this is why a six-year-old shouldn't have a tablet and this is why my daughter doesn't have a tablet and like that kid in particular too um her cousin she's a very rebellious one to begin with. And my daughter's kind of a follower, unfortunately, like she's open-minded of course, which is a good thing, but she's kind of like a follower at the moment. Cause she's yeah. trying to like find her place in the world, I guess. So it's like, she'll jump in on stuff like that. And it's, it's ridiculous. Like just, and it's, it's all programmed to be like that too, from like everything that I've seen, like everything around her, not even just like her home life environment, but just like the media she watches all of them, even the other, the other uh, nieces and nephews I have in my family. It's like, you can see their actions are definitely, promoted because of the things they watch where I know that was a big battle when we were young about the whole violence and video games, stuff like that. Yep. And I wasn't like a big firm believer in that. But at the same time though, it's kind of like anybody in our generation is playing some pretty fucking brutal games and like giggling while playing it. So that's probably still kind of fucking with your head a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Cause it's either, I feel like 25 before your brain is like fully developed. Yeah. I think it's 25. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And, you know, you can even make the argument like playing those violent video games in high school is still damaging. And there's kids who are like six and seven and eight playing Call of Duty and shit like that. My stepdaughter had gone over to a friend's house and they were playing Call of Duty. And I was like, oh, my God. Don't even get me started on Call of Duty. I think that's war propaganda to try to make it look like it's fun to be in the military. So it's just getting kids to be interested in doing that kind of stuff. But I was like, what are like, oh, we didn't realize it was bad. I'm like, what the fuck do you mean you didn't realize it was bad? She's in elementary school. And the whole game premise is that you're in the military and you shoot people. <laughs> yeah. And they're and she's like, oh, well, so and so's younger than me and it's okay for them to do it. And I was like, listen, I don't care if people walk off a bridge. Does that mean you have to do it? And I'm like, I realize I sound like my mother right now, but like just because somebody does it doesn't mean you have to do it too. Yeah, pave your own path. That's what I tell my daughter all the time. Like, don't be the follower. Yeah, no. Because then you're going to fall into the crowd mentality and you're going to do something because the crowd makes it seem like it's okay, but it doesn't mean it's okay. And then you see that, like, prime example, a good teaching moment for my daughter. You see that in society now with the whole vaccines and masks thing. Is that it's like everybody's just following the crowd because they don't want to be different than the crowd and they don't want to be shit on because they think differently than the crowd. Yeah, and what what's so wild about this current and that's not, this thing isn't even a vaccine, this current jab, whatever, um, is you can walk people down this path of okay, well, you recognize it's unlike any other injection you've ever had before. Yes, okay, you recognize that uh, they haven't, it, there, there can't possibly be long term studies because they just developed it. Well, yes, okay. And so you walk them down this whole path and you're like, you know, we don't know the effect of multiple boosters. We don't know the effect of mixing them together. And like, yes, yes, yes. And you walk them down this path. So we probably shouldn't be doing this. And especially to kids, right? No, everyone should get them. And you're like, how? You just agreed with these 23 other points. How, like, how are you coming to that conclusion? Well, the CDC and the FDA. And I'm just like, oh dear. Like, and part of me is sympathetic. Because I was that person, right? I was that person that got the flu shot every year. And because of my heart, I got the pneumonia vaccine before college and the meningitis. And like, I was, um, with my first husband, we went to Jamaica. I was going to get any necessary vaccines. Like I was that person. And so I try to give grace to those people because I was that person. And then also a part of me just like, wants to shake them really hard (laughs) yeah that's the truth of it too and it's like 
at least you having a podcast also, you kind of get your opportunity to vent so you don't feel as frustrated in your everyday life. I'm sure wanting to just shake somebody and be like, see the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's rough. Say it's that ignorance is bliss concept. I've said it a few times, but it's it's honestly the truth. It just, I, I guess the part that boggles me, like I said, you walk them down all these steps and they still can't see it. And is it, and I wonder why sometimes, you know, and is it ignorance is bliss? Is it you, it, because if they crack that reality, what else isn't real? Like, I, I don't know what their issue is, but it scares me because yeah. you know, they're the ones currently in charge or the loudest, I guess. The squeaky wheel. That's honestly what it comes down to, too, is that the person who's the loudest, even if they're not necessarily the smartest, is going to be the one that's in control of the crowd because that's the one everybody's going to think has the most confidence they're going to follow. So, you know, if everybody's saying, put on your mask, do this, because, you know, this three-letter agency is telling you that you need to do that, um, you know, everybody has that mentality of, like, like, like I don't even get it. Like, where, where does, like, the whole power idea come from? Like, why is it that everybody wants to listen to these government organizations? Why? Because they're one, a government organization and they have paperwork that says that they're something special when realistically, like the whole idea of just that paperwork or even necessary, like it's, it's all just like a made up human concept. Like it doesn't make anybody better than anybody else. It doesn't make anybody have more power. Like they have a better view of the world than anybody else. So it's like, why I don't get where that, that whole mentality comes from. Cause honestly, if you're trying to represent the people in a state, for example, when it comes to like politicians or anything like that, you think that you would take like the biggest age demographic and the politician would have to be around that age so that they're in the same kind of method of thinking. But yet, you know, the future's being paved by the people that are in the nicest way of saying it, unfortunately, like on their way out, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if that's the, I feel like part of it's from the traditional society where the elders did have the wisdom, you know, they had done the herbs they had been to war they had you know all the ancient stories you know they were the tribal elders you used to respect your elders because they made it that far and i think it just it, it's this leftover archaic thing that the, the elderly have to know best um the problem too is that the generations changed so fast now versus in the do. past where it was a lot more like the views didn't change that much from generation to generation, but now the right. views are so drastic from generation to generation. It's like hard to still kind of work with that mentality. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely agree with that. I definitely agree with that. You know, I feel like you take a native American tribe from the 1700s and maybe their alliances would change. But for the most part, I feel like the traditional family values and the values of the tribe wouldn't change. And now, you know, you could have two kids and if they're too far apart in ages, you know, you have a 13 year old and a newborn, they could be viewed things totally differently. Honestly, I see it every day that I got some like younger people I work with where they're not even like drastically younger than me. Like I'm 28 and they're like early twenties, but just their views on the world are so far different than mine. It's insane. And it's like anything I mentioned, they just, it goes like right over their heads. Like it's, it's crazy how much that like, the, just again, the generations, the differences in the generations, just just getting more drastic and more and more drastic. Where it's like, I feel like our generations had no problem getting along with people that were the generation older than us. But then, you know, the issue starts falling in with the generation before theirs. And now it's like generation to generation is already having an issue getting along now. So who knows where it's going to be in a couple of years from now. It might be like half of a generation versus the other half of a generation as technology yeah. speeds up. Even they'll start having inner fighting between each other, you know, have totally it's being times. done on purpose. I definitely do. And I think yeah. it kind of goes into that singularity effect too, where it's just as things progress, everything starts to speed up. So it's just going to get more drastic in a shorter amount of time as time goes on. And you can even see that with the COVID thing. It's just like one hit after the next. <laughs> so where does it end? Ah, I guess we'll have to hopefully stick around to find out that part. Hopefully it'll end in, I don't want to say like a reset because that's not really like the view I'm trying to express, but like, bring it back to the whole local idea like where it's like people caring about everybody that's around them the big corporations get pushed out and even if society splits into like the people that are living in a city um being totally okay with being manipulated by everything around them and then you have these like outlander 
cities where it's all like, you know, us podcaster type minded people. Like that's fine with me. I don't know. I feel like society definitely needs a reset and everybody's almost looking at it like it's a bad thing. But at the same time though, you have to destroy in order to have something be something great be rebuilt afterwards. Like if it's still being rebuilt off the shaky foundations of the past society, then it's never going to fully be a stable society or, you know, future for anybody, you know? Yeah, no, I had, I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. I would definitely, uh, would much rather be in the middle of nowhere. Um, still working on a garden. Haven't perfected that yet, but I can make sourdough, you know, I learned to can, um, and just, you know, learning how to take care of your family. If, you know, if your kid gets a sore throat, what can you do instead of running to the doctor to get antibiotics? Um, having that being empowered like that has really helped me find peace in this crazy world. Cause then you're not relying on other people for other things. I was going to say that it's always good to be a jack of all trades, but at the same time, though, too, when it comes to certain things, if you're working in a smaller community base, not like in a giant community base, like it's almost a good thing if like one person knows how to come up with the remedies and then one person knows how to make this and one person knows how to make that. Because then you can at least like it, it makes like a tighter knit community because it's like it's not necessarily a bad thing to rely off each other as long as all the people involved aren't shady, shitty people, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's something to say about that. I want to say like a commune, but like that communal living where people genuinely understand their role. There's no freeloading um, and everyone just plays a different role. So, you know, maybe, yeah, you don't go work in the fields and you're not harvesting all day, but you're making the clothes or you're cooking all the food or you're tending for the sick or you're caring for the babies or, and I feel like a lot of times I feel like in society right now, it's you have to have this high paying job and that person is better than like a stay at home mom because clearly, cause they bring in more money, they have to be better. And I feel like a lot of people could argue the stay at home mom has a bigger role in her kid's life and in society than the person who makes six figures a year. And honestly too, it's one of those messed up things too, where the guy making six figures is doing minimal work compared to like the laborers that are making the minimal pay. Right. Right. I feel like everything is so out of whack. Honestly. And that's why it needs to be brought back to a smaller community type concept is because it's not in a bad way. I don't mean it like people know their place, but people have a more understanding and a more, I don't, they, they feel better within themselves if it's like a smaller community and they know what people they're helping directly. It's like the community's gotten so big now that people are just doing these random jobs and they're like, they don't see a purpose within it because they don't realize what they're doing because they're not seeing like the gratitude from like a smaller group of people that they're like, you know, the only baker or the only this or the only that, you know, where everybody around them would appreciate it more knowing who the person was and who it came from. But then the whole idea of communes kind of got destroyed with the whole, you know, MK Ultra, Charles Manson, that whole idea where they try to make communes look like cults so that people wouldn't live that way because there's always just been this giant push to not have people live the way that I guess people are intended to live and be living off the land and be living together um, in a smaller community groups rather than like trying to think that we can actually have an entire country all think the same way. Like it's never going to happen, but you can definitely think the same within smaller communities. And that's honestly how people should be living. Yeah, no, I hundred percent agree. I'm sure you've seen the thing on like Instagram or something where um, it'll be like a small business owner and it'll be like some real or something. It'll be like when someone buys something from their business and they do like this little happy dance because that $50, you know, was groceries for the part of the week or, you know, and you can actually see where this money's going for a small business. Whereas you go to Target to, or, you know, Walmart or whatever, Myers to get your food and they don't really care, but you go to the local farmer's market, you go to your local farmer, um, you go to your next door neighbor and get some chicken eggs. Like that means a lot more to them and connecting with people you get food from is going to be really important here really, really fast, in my opinion. And then you end up trusting the food more, too. Like um, you said you're from Michigan, so I'm sure you've heard of Eastern Market. But uh, there's this thing they do every Saturday for people that aren't familiar with this area where it's pretty much like Michigan farmers will come to Detroit and they'll have these giant uh, like they call them sheds. But they're like almost like big warehouses where the sides are open and they all set up like little little tents. And it's basically like just a, like a like a local farmer's market, but on a, on a pretty big scale. And they have a yep. wide variety of different things. But 
Like I, I, I'm a fan of doing that personally. Cause then it's like, you can make connections with these people and you care about, you know, that you can trust the food and where it's coming from versus just some big person that you're faceless to. And it doesn't really matter. Like you get to start having that connection with people too, where it's like, you know, they'll see you all the time buying like berries, for example. So, you know, they see you all the time. So they're like, oh no, I see you. Like they'll throw in like, you know, an extra, extra right. little container of berries and just little things like that. So it's again, it's like, you know, it's appreciation on both ways, just like you were saying. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely appreciation both ways. And um, there's a little farm that I get some, like some local produce from and some eggs and things like that. Um, and she has like six kids and, you know, so you can see the chickens running around and you know where the eggs come from and you can see the greenhouses. And then um, there's another place I go get my raw milk from and I could go to the farm. I have gone to the farm once and I saw it, like I saw where the cows were. And I feel like you ask a lot of people and they have no concept of where their food comes from. And not even to mention it too, like, it might be a placebo effect. I don't know. But me personally, I've noticed that there's a huge quality difference. Like I, I have oh, yeah. my own chickens, like I was saying. And if I eat those eggs versus store eggs, like there's a clear, huge, noticeable difference in taste, flavor, how full you get off of them, how you feel after eating them. Like, because again, there's like that love and attention that goes into it where if somebody has a giant chicken farm and they're trying to keep all the chickens alive, they're going to feed them the lowest quality food possible. And then you deal with like local farmers and instead of using, you know, a bunch of those foods with growth hormones, they're going to use better local food. They're going to throw in food scraps, table scraps, all that kind of stuff. And it's just going to be a better quality diet. And uh, even the same with like vegetables and stuff, like people that are doing it on a smaller local level, aren't going to be using like the giant barrels of the giant cheap fertilizer and all that kind of shit. They're going to be more likely to do things like, you know, take their chickens poop and put it in the garden and fertilize the more natural way. Or even just like a trick that I'm planning on doing with my garden this summer is that you put a bunch of seed in your garden throughout your garden um and then you let your chickens just walk around in your garden and they'll eat the seeds and they'll poop and they'll fertilize it and then it's just a continuous cycle and then a lot of farmers too will even do something where they'll have their chicken coop set up in one area and then their um vegetables over in another area and then they'll switch them each year so then all the leftover poop from last year will become the fertilizer for this year it's just it sounds i'm talking about poop now but like the quality of food is just drastically different honestly and the taste is drastically different well, and I feel like most people, they're like, wait, fertilizers poop? And you're like, yeah, where do you think it comes from? It just, you know, most of the stuff on the bigger scale is just this chemical stuff. And, but I would venture to say, if you ask 10 people in Detroit or New York, you know, where does, what, what is fertilizer and where does it come from? Maybe one would be able to tell you. And I feel like most of the ones that would be able to answer are going to say that they're chemicals. They would even go back to like, oh, yeah, people use like a lot of people probably won't even realize that when they hear like uh, like mulch, they don't realize that that's actually poop in, yeah. you know, pieces of wood. Then that's what you put in your garden bed. Like there's literally poop in that. That's why it smells weird. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, yeah, miracle grow, right? Like that would be their answer. Yep. And yeah, they're just looking at it from a less less broad perspective, but. I don't know, man. I, I, especially with like uh, with the way the formula thing's going, I've heard that a lot of babies can have raw milk if it's like whole milk raw. Like I, I, I haven't had access to it, so I don't know how to like word it properly. But like just being able to have that connection with a local farmer from like going to like your local fruit market, anything like that, could you know in the next couple of months be the thing that helps out a lot of people that have newborns if the uh, formula shortage gets even worse. Just so- having that connection to raw milk, you know. Yeah. So camel's milk is most similar to human milk. Uh, it can be really hard to get though, but I know that there's people who their kids who are autistic, they actually, um, swear by using camel's milk. I don't know the in depth behind it. Um, but I found it super interesting. And then also I'm sure you guys have seen the pictures floating around of the baby sucking on a goat tit, like, cause goat milk is the next closest thing to human milk. And they could drink it from a goat, like make sure the udders are clean and all the, like, and the baby could drink it from a goat. So if you're really concerned about formula and you know, you can't breastfeed connect with a local farmer about raw goat's milk, or if you have the land, get a goat, get a couple goats. Like. See the problem that we fall into with society too, is that people are so used to having things like, like you were saying, people don't know where their food comes from or things don't come from. So it's like, we're looking at it from the perspective of by having these shortages, they're just making it so that people are going to be able to start looking for alternatives. 
and they're not going to need things like that anymore. But then it's like, you know, being in this community that probably at least like 60 to 70% of people, I don't know, the numbers are always off. That's just me yep. guessing off the top of my head, but they're panicking because they don't think there's any other options other than just store-bought formula. And when Bill Gates gets into this whole formula thing, which is what I think it's all kind of ramping up to be because it's probably something in that fucking formula, you know, the same as the vaccine, just saying, um, you know, all the parents are going to jump right onto that. And they're going to be like, oh my God, thank you so much. Like, I can't believe Bill Gates came up with this. He's going to be the hero for a lot of people that didn't just want to look into it and go, hmm, baby formula wasn't around for thousands of years. How did babies get by? Especially right, like, because there's still moms, I'm sure, couldn't produce milk back then too. Just like now, you know? <laughs> right. So, I mean... I know you can find like a Facebook group for um, it's like mother's milk or something. And you can find local moms to donate that have excess breast milk. Um, you can, as I said, get a goat. You can make it at home. They say that you can't make it at home. It's not safe. But what do you think your grandparents did? Like there's a ton of different ways. And I've decided the people that are like, look at me and they're like, oh, you make your own bread and oh, you do this. And they like look down at me and be like, oh. Are you the people that you just expect the food, the store is just going to have food and like, just kind of flip that script on them because then they're going to look at you and be like, well, is the store not always going to have food? And you're going to be like, yeah, it, it might run out like the toilet paper. I guess we'll see. And then we'll figure out who's the one who comes out on top here. <laughs> right. Right. And it's not that I wish it will on anybody. Like I want people to prepare, but I also recognize that there's probably going to be a lot of people who don't heed the warnings and they get a little desperate. Like I really think that especially in the cities, it's, it might get a little hairy for a little bit because they, they don't know what to do. Yeah. Unless they, you're they, an urban farmer, that's probably the only people that are going to be fine for at least a little bit. <laughs> well, but then if they know that you're an urban farmer, you're not going to be great off either unless you have a way to defend that food. That's very true. But if it's not fully grown yet, they still need you for now. <laughs> true story. True story. You got to play it off. And then in the dead of night, you disappear with all the food. <laughs> yeah. Listen, like I just, I, I wish people would prepare. And it's hard because I feel like sometimes uh, people who listen to these podcasts are like, yeah, of course we're preparing. And the people who need to hear this and need to, who haven't done anything probably aren't listening to stuff like this, unfortunately. And even just like, uh, like say somebody can't that, you know, you're saying, Oh, I, I don't have the money to prepare. I don't have the time to prepare. Like I always tell people start off small, even if you're just grabbing a couple cans at a time, or even just look at it from this perspective, theoretically, like you buy yourself a fishing rod and you just have that fishing rod. It's still an option for food that you can use. Like, even if you can't necessarily stock up on food, like, give yourself alternatives where you could theoretically find food for yourself. You know, like obviously it costs more than just keeping up a little bit of back stock or anything like that. But say your grandpa or somebody, you see somebody's like, uh, you know, selling like a, like a bow or something really, really cheap, like pick it up because that might be the thing that saves you one day. Cause at least you have something that you'd be able to find some type of food option. And then it's not like you have this proper back cabinet full of like a bunch of crazy food and nothing happens. It's like, it's something you could still practically use that fishing rod or that bow, but like it still can also be a lifesaver later on and it's worth the investment, I guess, in a sense, in my opinion, at least. No, agree. Or here's the other thing. If you really have no extra money, you're probably on YouTube a lot anyway. Watch some how-to videos, figure out how to start a fire, figure out what local herbs you can go forage for or in local plants. I just went and got some mugwort and red clover yesterday. Like you can do those things. They're completely free. And gain skills. And then if worse comes to worse, barter with your skills. Mm-hmm. So even just knowing how to like build a shelter or something like that, you know, like something small is like, who knows if, if shit hits the fan. I'm sure there's gonna be a lot of people that are just trying to hide away in the woods or something. Everybody's going to need some type of little shelter. You're like, Hey, you give me a candy bar. I'll build you a shelter. You know, just dumb little yeah. stuff like that. And you can start using that as like a barter. Use your skills. Yeah, I mean, you know, if the because it's it can get cold in Michigan, if the power ever goes out, set up a tent in a room. Everyone sleeps in the tent. You can take um, a terracotta pot and with the little saucer, put the tea light on the saucer, put the terracotta pot over the top. It's not going to give out a ton of heat, but it'll give out some heat, especially if it's an enclosed area. Like you can go get those from the dollar store. Mm -hmm. 
like, and it's those little tips that people are like, oh, I could never. And then you tell them, you're like, oh, well, maybe I could do that. Yes, you can. Please, like, go. I, everyone can do this. Like, learn something. Learn something useful. If you're going to spend time on YouTube, be intentional with your time. Yeah, I mean, shit, who knows? One day you could even be lost in the woods or be on a plane and it, you know, lands in the woods or something. Like, having survival skills is never a bad thing. No. And it's you don't have to look at it as like prepper skills. Like just having for survival skills is always, always hugely beneficial. Like even if you don't use them every day, at least you have it if you ever were thrown in that situation. Right. Like you go on a hike with a friend or you're on the beach or like, I don't know, if you're near the ocean, figure out what to do if you get stung by a jellyfish. Like it's not peeing on you. Like what do you do? And become a plethora of useless knowledge. Well, not useless, yeah. but something along those lines, a, pl- a plethora of useful knowledge. Cause just knowing a bunch of like little tiny things could all connect the dots one day and just try just make things a lot easier for yourself in the future. Just like yeah. use the opportunity to learn why you still have it because the internet may not be as readily available as we see it now. Even talking about the like power, you know, trying to save power, we're going to shut down certain grids for a certain amount of time. Yep. Like who knows what that could lead into, honestly. Yeah. And buy books, like physical books, like go to a bookstore, find books, um, get them on sale if you need to, like used um, local bookshops, secondhand stores, like bookstore books. They, they, they can't edit books, right? They can't go in and censor books unless they physically come in your house and take them and burn them like Fahrenheit 451. Like they can't take your books. So I'm always a fan of solid copies, no matter what it is, honestly. Like, I don't want to take no chances. Like, if I can't physically oh. be holding it, I'm not spending money on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's very few things that I will uh, buy that's not a tangible product. And, like, one of them is, like, my website. That's not out yet. But, like, I can't physically hold my website, but I'll invest in that. You know what I mean? Yeah, because it's still like, I don't want to say it's physical, but like it has a use in the end. It's not like you're just buying like shoes for like an avatar or something dumb like that, you know? Right. Even just like digital copies of like a video game. Like, I don't trust that because there's only one copy of it that you paid for where it's like even my podcast, like I have the episodes uploaded. I have them across a bunch of different platforms. I have solid copies of them on the computer, like anything digital. I'm still keeping multiple copies because I don't trust the Internet enough to not or any piece of technology enough to just have like one solid copy of one thing on it and just call it after that. <laughs> oh no. I was writing my thesis for my master's degree and I was halfway through it and my computer crashed and I lost it and I about had a heart attack and I cried for quite a bit of time. Um, and cause it was like supposed to be uploading to like the Microsoft cloud or something. And it totally didn't, it was supposed to be saving to my computer. Didn't do it. I don't know what happened. Um, so yeah, I'm mul- multiple copies, physical copies, hundred percent. So it seems like we're starting to kind of move into this direction. So I guess I'll uh, I'll present the question and then we can kind of go from there. But uh, usually towards the end of the show, I always like to ask some words of wisdom from the, from the guests to the listeners. So considering all we've talked about today, or if there's just anything that you like to live by, what would be some words of wisdom that you'd like to give to the listeners? Don't be afraid to take the risk because you might not happen again. and trust your intuition, whatever that tells you, because trusting your intuition, truly trusting it and listening to it will very rarely lead you astray. That's almost like a sense that we don't recognize because I've noticed that it's like if there's somebody that I see and I don't like them just from a gut feeling, I've never had it prove me wrong in my entire life. So I've just got to learn to follow that. So it's like, I feel like it's something that's inherently in people and we look at it as like a woo-woo concept, but like, just like any animals, like people can sense things. Like people are like, oh, that dog can sense that person's a bad person. But then that same person doesn't want to believe that people have that ability too. So. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I, whether it was grad school or whatever, I've driven, you know, across the state or whatever, had to stop and um, go to the bathroom and at a rest area. And there's been times that I've literally stopped my car, started to get out. And went, nope, this is not a good idea. It was broad daylight. I was like, this is not a good idea. And I got back in my car and I found another restroom. And I don't know why I had that feeling, but I'll I'll hold it for another 15, 10, 15 minutes. Like, you know, listening to your intuition can literally save your life. That, you know, it's still alive to this point. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And 
I guess that's just my biggest thing for people is just listen to your intuition and don't be afraid to take that risk because having, being able to trust yourself is a gift. I feel like that's been robbed from us. We're, we're, We're supposed to trust everything else but ourselves. Trust yourself. It's all a matter of like, I don't want to say profiting because it's not necessarily just about money, but the more you pull from a person believing that they have abilities within themselves, the more that you can get things out of them and also profit off of them, I guess. So it's, it's, you know, multiple meanings that can go into it, but it's kind of like, you know, the big pharma thing like you're talking about. If people don't believe that they can heal within themselves, then they're going to look for an outside source to do it. And then that's when you can exploit somebody and use them or make money off. And that's what comes down to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. There, there, so many ways can you be exploited if you don't trust yourself. Um, I always like to ask too for anybody that enjoyed the conversation. Um, we did I forgot to mention it in the beginning, but if you don't mind dropping your plugs, of course, so that everybody can come and find you. Yeah, sure. So on Instagram, I am one thumb L O N E Thumb E L. My podcast on Instagram is speed.bumps.podcast. And you can also find me at campsite.bio slash one thumb L and all my links are there too. Um, if you're interested with essential oils, you can connect with me there. I love talking about them. I love talking about Reiki. If you're in Connecticut and you want to get some Reiki done, if you're interested in that symphony of the cells, um, feel free to reach out. Awesome. And for anybody that's listening to, of course, I'll put the, all of our links in the description. So anybody can find them easily and you won't just have to listen and then try to type it in real quick and play that little back and forth game. But if you caught them, they're there. <laughs> and uh, I appreciate you coming on the show and I appreciate you making the time to be on the show today. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on and asking me to come on and I can't wait to talk to you on my show. I was going to say, I'm looking forward to being on your show. Um, yes. I don't know which one will end up dropping first because I've got a bank of episodes, but you know, if you hear this first, go listen to that. And if you hear that first, then hopefully you came and listened to this. 100%. 100%. But, uh, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. And I guess I'll catch you on the next one. Have a good night, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.